So the rapid fire round, the first one is, at what age do you want to retire? Uh, last week? <laughs> no, uh, seriously, um, in my 60s. What's your favorite mobile app? Favorite mobile app? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, I don't know that I have one. I'm sorry. You could have said Google Maps or something. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good one. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Uh, it depends whether I have to feed cats or not. So between 45 minutes and an hour. Most embarrassing moment of your life? I think when I was in graduate school and I was at a dinner and um, or, or, and they served cantaloupe and I tried to, to um, use the spoon to cut the cantaloupe and it flew over my shoulder and hit somewhere in the back. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, mountains or beaches? Beaches. What's the most useful mobile feature you can't live without? Uh, I act texting, I think. Favorite color? Uh, blue. What time of day are you most inspired? Around uh, one in the morning. How many hours of sleep do you need? Uh, as, as many as I can get. <laughs> Fill in the blank, an upcoming telecommunications trend is blank. Upcoming telecommunications... Apparently, it's blah, blah, blah. An upcoming telecommunications trend is um, faster and faster. <laughs> the city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Oh, that's an awesome question. Uh, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, pick one, Android or Apple? Apple. The biggest mistake of your career? Uh, it was taking a certain job that I won't name. How do you relax? Uh, I like to, I like to relax by exercising, reading, lots of different things. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? None. A habit of yours that you hate? That I hate. Um, I hate um, working too late. Which U.S. department would you never work for? Oh, I think I'll pass that one. <laughs> the most valuable skill you've learned in life? Uh, the most being nice to other people. Which US department would you love to work for? Uh, the US department I'd love to work for that I haven't worked for already uh, would probably be the State Department. Cities or countrysides? Cities. And the last one is your favorite Netflix show. Favorite Netflix show. Um, oh gosh. Um, I can't think of the name of it now. Uh, it was the one set in DC years ago. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. <laughs> That's great footage though. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was so good, I can't think of the name. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go on to the longer question. Okay. Which you can answer with as much ease and time as you like. All right, so the first one, how do you ensure that the US Department of Energy's uh, information technology infrastructure is secure against cyber attacks and other forms of digital threats? Well, that's a big problem. I, I, the first is is evaluating our risks, making sure we identify our highest risk areas and mitigating those risks as fully and completely as we can, uh, because we can't do everything. So we take that risk-based approach. Uh, second is uh, coordinating. So we coordinate 
um, among DOE. We coordinate with the interagency. We coordinate with others who have classified information uh, to share it, to, to, to create an unclassified version of that, bring it to the unclassified level and share that information out. So we share both things we know are going on and then we pull in things we are hearing from our organization. So that's the second thing. And then the third one is always being vigilant, right? always paying attention, training our staff, training our users, to always be aware of what's going on. It's an and which one of these is most likely to cause problems first? Well, I think that um, the, because we are not able to mitigate every risk, that is ulti the ultimate risk is that uh, we will have an unmitigated risk that will turn out to be the one that gets us. Uh, so, but we try very, very hard to make sure that uh, we have the ability to, to, res to respond and recover from that if it does happen. How do you balance the need for innovation and new technology with the necessity of maintaining legacy systems that are critical to the department's mission? So that's fundamentally to a budget problem. Right? And it's a budget problem both from the standpoint of money and having enough people to attack the problem. So we try and make sure that we prioritize uh, a percentage of our money to invest in new technologies. Uh, and we look at ways that we can reduce the amount of money we're spending on legacy technology without putting ourselves in the position uh, where we're not keeping that sufficiently up to date or secure. But we're gonna constantly try and push more funding into that, the new innovation because the more innovation we get, the more new stuff we get, the less legacy technology there is. And one of our goals is not to build more legacy technology, to go to the cloud, to use software as a service, to use modular uh, applications, low-code platforms, so that we don't end up with the same kind of legacy that we have now in the future. And how do you prioritize technology investments and ensure that they align with the department's strategic goals? So DOE is really decentralized. So part of the way we prioritize technology investments is pushing that decision-making for investments down into the organization because each individual part of the organization knows what they need the most. So they're able to select things that most best meet their mission. Then one of my jobs is to try and make sure we do as little duplicative work as possible in that process because with everybody doing what they need to meet their mission, it's easy to, to buy the same thing over and over again. And so then we work on things like providing enterprise agreements and platforms and solutions so that when we identify the same need across the board, we can share that capability. And how do you manage the risks associated with outsourcing technology? Do you do that at technology services and ensure that vendors meet the department's security and compliance requirements? Yeah, we, we do outsourcing in a variety of different ways. One could argue that our national labs are outsourced because they are government-owned, contractor-operated. So that's a very different kind of model from any kind of outsourcing you usually see. But we have oversight of the labs, and we, we do that by setting up contracts with them, by funding cybersecurity, and, and having them inherit requirements that we have for security. We also outsource certain products and technologies to vendors, as well as working on our own projects. And in each case, what we do is we set standards, we make those standards clear to our vendors, and we hold them contracts that are responsible for meeting those standards. And what have you brought from your previous roles at all the, uh, being the CIO of all the uh, big companies that you were to the US Department of Energy? So I think everywhere I've been, um, I've learned something, uh, lots of somethings usually. Um, and I've had this huge variety of experiences uh, that have led me to the point where I, you can look at a problem ultimately, and it's not the same problem, but it kind of looks like that problem. And so you, you learn over time by having these experiences as CIO over and over and over again, 
what you need to do as a CIO to be successful, what kind of problems you're going to see, and how to solve them. And you can't think, oh, well, I can do everything exactly the way I did at Dell or at Santa Clara County or somewhere else. But what I can do is say, I've learned some things there that help me understand what these problems are and how to solve them. So how do you think the U.S. Department of Energy is taking advantage of emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and blockchain while also managing the risks associated with these tech? So DOE is kind of an interesting place because we don't just take advantage of those technologies, we invent them. Uh, so you know, do we call DOE, sometimes we call it the Department of Everything, our 17 national labs design and develop all sorts of new technologies. So we have a little advantage when it comes to uh, taking advantage of the pro of the products and technologies as well as mitigating the risks because we deeply understand those risks at DOE because we invented or we developed capabilities in many of those technologies. So we work with our labs, work with our partners inside the company to understand what risks we may be taking on and then to mitigate those appropriately. And so with the increasing number of connected devices and the growing threat to cyber attacks, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing network uh, providers? So you hit the, hit the nail on the head. There's all these IoT devices. They're all in your networks. They're often not treated like enterprise devices. So how do we make sure that we treat them like enterprise devices, that they're well secured, that they meet all of our requirements in terms of how they connect to the network, uh, what kind of password requirements they have, and those sorts of things. Um, so that, that big risk is, is that proliferation of devices and making sure all of them are managed. Okay. And so what challenges do remote work and distributed teams of today present to network security and how can these be addressed? So I'm not sure that remote work and distributed teams promote, create a lot more security risks than we already had. Um, we've had people working all around the world, all around the country, all, you know, for many years at DOE. Um, more people work remotely now than ever before. Um, but they're mainly present collaboration challenges, finding new ways to work together. We were already well on the path of moving away from reliance on that uh, network perimeter, which would probably be the biggest reason you'd be concerned about remote work. So the network perimeter is just one of many tools we have to protect and secure our, our uh, capabilities. We're, we're all in for zero trust, and we assume that that anyone who comes into our network could be compromised. It could be a, a bot, it could be an intruder. Um, and we're going to assume that and we're going to identify all our assets. We're going to put authentication on each asset. And the level of authentication, the level of security required depends upon how high a value that asset has. And that doesn't change whether people are working inside our buildings or outside our buildings. And so with the increasing prevalence of AI and machine learning in cybersecurity, uh, what new possibilities are emerging for network operators to protect their infrastructure? And how can they be leveraged to improve network security? So the AI and ML are, are great at allowing us to automate some tasks that used to be done by individuals, which can really increase our level of security. However, the problem is that in addition, it also allows the attackers to automate. So we're sort of in an arms race with them, but definitely we're gonna take advantage of all those opportunities to automate and to make sure that only the best, most important information gets to the folks who actually need to look at it. So human beings are used for the most value. All right, so the last question is more of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this right now? Uh, if I weren't doing this right now, um, I would uh, probably be the CIO at a, at a private company um, or maybe be retired. I don't know. It's not quite, I didn't quite hit the mark I gave you for retirement yet. So I got a few more years before I hit that mark. So.